from Brown Cow Studios in Montana. This is News Nerds, the news podcast. On this week's episode, I interview Sarah Budd. She is the co-owner of Alpacas of Montana, a large alpaca company in Montana. She'll talk to us about her alpacas, llamas, and guard dogs in this week's episode. Also, we have a debate right now as I speak. The debate is happening. We'll have some coverage on that. What is happening there? I'm your host, Ezra Graham, and you are listening to News Nerds, the news podcast. Fun fact, after Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States, Nancy Pelosi would be the president. After her, Chuck Grassley, then Mike Pompeo, then Steven Mnuchin, then Mark Esper, then William Barr, then David Bernhardt, then Sonny Perdue, then Wilbur Ross. And that's all for today's fun fact. Just now, the vice presidential debate took place. It was much more calm than the presidential debate last week, with name-calling, lots of interrupting, and a confused moderator. Not this week. Probably the most exciting part of the debate was when a fly landed on Pence's head for two minutes. Now, Joe Biden is selling a truth over flies, fly swatter, which at the moment is sold out. This week, the debate was hosted by USA Today journalist Susan Page. She has covered six presidential administrations and ten of her presidential elections. Page has interviewed the past nine presidents. She has won the Merriman Smith Memorial Award, the Aldo Beckman Memorial Award, and the Sigma Delta Chi Distinguished Service, Service Award for Washington Correspondence. The candidates were separated by plexiglass following President Trump's positive COVID-19 case. Harris and Pence, the two debating tonight, were 12 feet apart. Harris and Biden's team has expressed concerns about COVID-19 and wanted the committee to take extra precautions. The first topic of the debate was COVID-19. Kamala Harris criticized Trump and Pence's handling of the coronavirus. She said, quote, The American people have witnessed what is the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country, unquote. She focused on the fact that Trump knew the deadliness of COVID-19 in January, but kept this covered up so as to keep Americans not panicked. Recently, Bob Woodward released audio clips that confirm this. On the other hand, Pence praised Trump on shutting down the border between China and the United States, saying, quote, President Donald Trump did what no other American president had ever done, and that was he suspended all travel from China, the second largest economy in the world. Pence elaborated, the reality is when you look at the Biden plan, it reads an awful lot like what President Trump and I and our task force have been doing every step of the way. He added, I mean, quite frankly, when I look at their plan, 
that talks about advancing testing, creating new PPE, developing a vaccine. It looks a little bit like plagiarism, which is something Joe Biden knows a little bit about. Unquote. Now let's listen to the two candidates talking about COVID-19 in this next clip. The American people have witnessed what is the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country. They knew and they covered it up. The president said it was a hoax. They minimized the seriousness of it. Quite frankly, when I look at their plan that talks about advancing testing, creating new PPE, developing a vaccine, um, it looks a little bit like plagiarism, which is something Joe Biden knows a little bit about. Throughout the debate, the two candidates both avoided questions asked by Susan Page, just like the presidential debate. Because of both Trump and Biden's old age, Page asked about plans for a vice president to take over if either Biden or Trump are not fit to lead the country. Harris and Pence avoided the questions and talked about other subjects. Over the debate, the candidates also talked about health care, the Supreme Court, and foreign policy. One of the topics that stood out from the debate was climate change. Pence told viewers that Biden would ban fracking when Biden only wants to limit fracking. Harris accused the Trump administration of not believing in science. Let's listen. Once again, you've provided the perfect segue to a new topic, which is climate change. And Vice President Pence, I'd like to pose the first question to you. This year, we've seen record-setting hurricanes in the South. Another one, Hurricane Delta, is now threatening the Gulf. And we have seen record-setting wildfires in the West. Do you believe, as the scientific community has concluded, that man-made climate change has made wildfires bigger, hotter, and more deadly, and have made hurricanes wetter, slower, and more damaging? You have two minutes uninterrupted. Thank you, Susan. First, I'm very proud of our record on the environment and on conservation. According to all of the best estimates, our, our air and land are cleaner than any time ever recorded. Our water is among the cleanest in the world. And just a little while ago, the president signed the Outdoors Act, the largest investment in our public lands and public parks in 100 years. So President Trump has made a commitment to conservation and to the environment. Now, with regard to climate change, the climate is changing, but the issue is, what's the cause and what do we do about it? President Trump has made it clear that we're going to continue to listen to the science. Now, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris would put us back in the Paris Climate Accord. They'd impose the Green New Deal, which would crush American energy, would increase the energy costs of American families in their homes, and literally would crush American jobs. So, first of all, I will repeat, and the American people know, that Joe Biden will not ban fracking. That is a fact. That is a fact. I will repeat that Joe Biden has been very clear that he thinks about growing jobs, which is why he will not increase taxes for anyone who makes less than $400,000 a year. Joe Biden's economic plan, Moody's, which is a reputable Wall Street firm, has said will create 7 million more jobs than Donald Trump's. And part of those jobs that will be created by Joe Biden are going to be about clean energy and renewable energy. 
Because you see, Joe understands that the west coast of our country is burning, including my home state of California. Joe sees what is happening on the Gulf states, which are being battered by storms. Joe has seen and talked with the farmers in Iowa whose entire crops have been destroyed because of floods. And so Joe believes, again, in science. I'll tell you something, Susan. I served when I first got to the Senate on the committee that's responsible for the environment. Do you know this administration took the word science off the website and then took the phrase climate change off the website? This, we have seen a pattern with this administration, which is they don't believe in science. In just a second, we're going to go to an interview with Sarah Budd from Alpacas of Montana. But first, a message from me. Listeners, you can subscribe by going to newsnerdhost.wixsite.com slash podcast and clicking subscribe free. It is free. You just need an email and your first and last name. So please check that out and subscribe today. When you subscribe, you'll get the latest news, news nerds updates, and the latest links to episodes right into your email inbox. Thank you. Sarah Budd is the co-owner of Alpacas of Montana, and she joins us now. Thank you. Yes, thank you. It's great to meet you. So I want to ask, um, how did Alpacas of Montana first start? Sure. So my husband and I were looking for a company to do on our own. He was doing sales. He was a medical orthopedic PA. So he was doing surgeries. My degree is in psychology. So that's my background. But we wanted to do a company that we really liked, could be in Montana and make money, which really kind of narrowed what we could do. And so we were looking around at different companies, um, different stores, traveling, whatnot. And we came across a Costco flyer magazine that they sell, sell out right now, Costco Connection. And so James was looking through it and saw this couple who was really happy, really loved it, and being, being alpaca owners. So he sent that over to me, and I said, what's an alpaca? I was like, that's not even, not even an option. So I said, go back to work, and he headed back to work, and he popped up MSN, the top five topics of the day. You know how they have the sliders? And one of them, this is back way back 16 years ago, and was how people are making money in alpacas. And so he's showing spreadsheets and making money and this and that, and he sent that over to me. And I said, you need to get back to work. This is not even an option. I don't want to, you know, be a raise livestock and make socks and stuff like that. And so he's okay. So we had just bought this house way on the top of the hill, not this house. And we were driving home. We walked down to the mailbox and his sister sent a flyer that day and just scribbled out, uh, James's name and uh, her name and put James's name and said, wouldn't this be a fun job for you? It was how to start an alpaca company. I'd never heard of alpacas, but it was three things in one day. So we started looking into it. And um, the more we looked, the more we got. When we um, traveled to different places, at that time we were traveling a lot for business. So Georgia, New Jersey, and Texas, and California, 
we would go to different alpaca farms. And so we took out a loan and we talked to the banker, took out a loan and here we are 16 years later, I make hats and gloves and socks. Wow, so it seems like alpacas came up very much in that same day. Before you went into alpacas, uh, yes. what was your, you and your husband's jobs uh, and backgrounds? Well, yep, like I said, he was an orthopedic PA, so he was doing surgery. Then he had got out of that and was doing some sales, some clinical sales, and some product sales. And then I graduated from college. I went to Carroll College in Helena. Then I went to Australia for a year, finished my degree there came back and um, my degrees in psychology, but so I took a job and that's actually where James and I met. And then he and I went and worked for another company doing sales and products. And that's where we were traveling quite a bit for actually it was my injection molding company. And so we were just starting out. We just bought a house and we had a, you know, a cat and a dog and a horse. And that's about it. I didn't know anything about livestock. And this is definitely not what I thought I'd be doing, but it's pretty exciting. I really love it. How many alpacas are on your farm and how, how many in total do you own? Right. So right now we have about 80 alpacas on our farm. We were up to about 250 at some point about a few years ago, which is a lot of feet and it's a lot of, a lot of animals to take care of. But as we grew, we, we can't grow enough fleece, alpaca fleece on our farm to produce all the fleece that we need for our products. We go through almost 300,000 pounds of fleece a year. Each of our alpacas can produce between six and seven pounds. So we only can produce about one to 2,000 pounds. So we buy a lot of our fleece. So we decided to decrease our herd a little bit. We'll always have alpacas. I love my alpacas, but that's a whole different business when you're taking care of 250 to 300 more animals. Um, and we just need to de decrease our and change up our herd. Walk me through the process of taking off that hair uh, from the alpacas uh, and what tools you need. Okay, so we used to shear uh, each of our alpacas by ourselves. Um, it took about 40 minutes. So what we do is you take the alpaca and you lay them down and then you secure usually with ropes their feet because they're really thin skin and you use a, a big electric 13 tooth shear so one nick could really hurt them. So we tie them down and then we shave it off. It took us about 45 minutes to shear each alpaca, which is a long time. I feel bad for that. Um, but we were very, very careful. And now we hire a professional group. It's called Biosecure Shearing. And so when they lay them down, they tie them and they're done in shearing in six minutes. So every six minutes, an alpaca gets shorn. So we start usually at seven in the morning. It's end of June, begin, end of May, beginning of June. And every six minutes, the alpaca is done. Um, so we end at usually like nine or 10 o'clock in the evening. So it's a long process. Um, but we try to make it as gentle for the, the alpacas. So the young alpacas are nervous because there's a lot going on. Um, there's a lot of people that they don't know. It's definitely pretty noisy. However, by the time they're three or four years old, they're hot because it's end of May. They have still have their winter coats on. So we lay them down. We take off the blanket, which is um, where basically a saddle would go on a horse. And so we take that off first. That's called the primary. 
And that's used for like hats and gloves and scarves, something that needs to be really soft. Then we use their shear off their neck and their legs and their belly, and that's called the second. And that's where you use the stuff that doesn't need to be quite as soft. So dryer balls, felted soles, bird balls. We have over 350 SKUs of products. So we use every bit of their fiber. We even use their manure for compost. So we utilize these alpacas. Um, we do not cull them. We do not kill them in any way. Some people do eat their alpacas and we do, do not. And so they get to live to be 20, 25 years old on our farm. And so their job is to be nice to everybody, which we try to make, <laughs> help them be nice when we halter train them and they get short every six minutes out of the year. So that's their job. I've seen some of your alpacas like all crossbowsmen at Ace Hardware and they're, they're really cool animals. So yeah. when, when you take off the hair, uh, what are the advantages of alpaca versus other kinds of wool? Great question. So alpaca is as soft as cashmere. It's twice as warm as wool. It's really strong, uh, more durable than wool. And it's hypoallergenic. A lot of people are allergic to wool because it can be scratchy. And it also has lanolin, that oil base on the, on the sheep. This does not have it. So alpaca um, is a hollow fiber, whereas wool has air pockets in it. That gives it thermal capacity. It will absorb up to 50% of its body weight in moisture. And then it can sit and section the skin, be sweaty feet, sweaty socks, um, just feel hot and scratchy, where alpaca is completely hollow like straws. And so it's constantly pushing away the moisture. So there's, it's never wet on your body. What products do you make out of the alpaca fleece? Right, so we make um, about 350 different products. Our most popular are socks. We have from running socks. My brother can wear in Phoenix, Arizona, so they're really lightweight and wicking, to warm socks, you can go 20 below. So we have about 15 different kinds of socks. We have lots of hats, blankets, scarves. Um, one really popular one is our bird balls. We can make ornaments, we can make all different products. Um, about 30% of our products are handmade here in Bozeman. And there are other ones that like our blankets are made in Kansas, our felted soles are made in Pennsylvania. Um, just depends on who has the machinery and the um, skill to make our products. So you also have, and correct me if I'm saying this wrong, Turkish Anatolian guard dogs. Why I do you have these? And tell me more about these as well. I love these dogs. They are fantastic. So when we were looking for a guard dog, I didn't want somebody to be super aggressive and be scary um, to me and to other people, but we knew we needed protection. We used to live in the mountains and there are um, not only fox and coyotes, but also mountain lions here. There's bears, there's potentially wolves. And the number one killer of alpacas is neighbor dogs. And so we needed somebody to help protect these guys. So Turkish Anatolians are amazing. They can run up to 35 miles an hour. They can jump a six foot fence. Two can patrol a thousand acres. Plus it's one of the only breeds of dog that can take on a mountain lion and win in a fight. So we've had four mountain lion attacks over the years and we've never lost uh, another alpaca. The only time we've actually lost an alpaca, which was killed, was unfortunately by a neighbor's dog. And we only had a nine month old Anatolian puppy at that time. So since then, they've been totally protected. But we also have llamas as well. 
And llamas are protective too. We have seven llamas and they will protect against like fox or coyotes, which usually aren't too big of a threat, but they're a first alert. So they're extra protection for us, including the dogs. Now we are in a pandemic. How has the coronavirus affected sales of alpaca products? Right, good question. So we, um, we were pretty nervous. We were looking around in February and March and knew that we had to go online more base because people could not go to the stores. And so we decided to really focus on our website, on our social media. And now, year to date, from the beginning of January to this to today, compared to last year at the same time, we're up 28%. And so we're actually climbing. We've released a few new products, so some new socks, a new hat, and also two new uh, thermal pullovers. So a base layer and a thermal layer, which has been great too. So it was not ideal to to release and invest in this crazy market, but it seems to be really going well. We're going strong. I don't think I've ever worked harder in my life, um, but we're actually doing really well. We've been doing better than we ever have in our business history. Well, that's really good that you're doing well. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me today. And uh, I, I look forward to hearing how the company is doing later on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, let's do a musical segment. I have my clarinet here, uh, and I would recommend turning off this episode if you are driving. Um, whenever I clean my clarinet, which is usually after I play it, there's a load of spit in it. It's just very gross. But I learned, kind of, I kind of learned a new song, part of a new song. It's Careless Whisper, um, and here it is. But uh, I've been making good progress here. I mean, not on a, a sound sound quality because, uh, oh my gosh, it sounds like a, a, a mouse squeak 20,000 times louder. Uh, it does not sound very good yet, but I, I do love the sound of the clarinet. So uh, I'm sure you'll get to hear me improving slowly but surely on the musical segment of News Nerds. Da 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 da! Yeah! And now let's see where everybody is listening in from. 
we have new numbers. Virginia was in first place for like 20 weeks, but now Virginia is still in first place. Virginia has 11% of all news nerds listeners and is still in first place. But with second place, we have California with 6% of all news nerds listeners and in third place, Ohio, with 5% of all News Nerds listeners. So, Ohio, better step up there and grab first place from Virginia. You, you're you sinking lower and lower on the chart. Behind them, we have Connecticut and New Mexico with 4% of News Nerds listeners. Florida, Utah, Texas, North Carolina, New York, Vermont, Oregon, and even more. So, thank you, listeners, and we have been doing very well in the past weeks for listening. Uh, so thank you all for listening to this week of News Nerds and previous weeks of News Nerds. That's it for this episode of News Nerds. Thank you, Sarah, for being on this week's episode. And uh, I did my best with the debate coverage. So, you can subscribe at newsnerdshost.wixsite.com slash podcast. That's our website. You can also listen to previous episodes of News Nerds with numerous guests there. And be sure to uh, subscribe. Just It's just an email and now first and last name. I'm hoping that your eardrums are still working properly after my clarinet performance, and you have been listening to News Nerds. I'm Ezra Graham.